0: book that we have been in for several weeks now here on Wednesday nights and continuing continuing this uh this study on the tabernacle and our key scripture has been Exodus chapter 25 verses 8 and 9 where Jesus uh, I'm sorry where where God is is saying to Moses and, and God he uh he makes this proclamation through the mouth of Moses. But he says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What a privilege that is for God to say that. I know this isn't a word that was for us directly. But uh, he was speaking to the people that lived here on earth. And he said, I want to, I want you to make a place where I can come and I, and I may dwell among you. The God that formed the earth. The God that formed all of uh, creation. He's the one who said, I desire to be there with you. And I want you to make a place that I can call my home. I want to make a place that it is a sacred place. A holy place. And I want you to do it after the pattern that I show you. There's a certain pattern, and in fact, we can see as we've we've looked uh, throughout this study at, at the scriptures in uh, several scriptures throughout uh, our the scriptural text. One in Revelation. There's some uh, some others that that would point to the fact that this is a pattern that comes down from heaven. That in fact, this tabernacle. It was a pattern already established in heaven, and he said, I want to give you that pattern that you would build a sanctuary for me, that you would build a house for me, that I could dwell there with you. And And so we've been looking at this. There's so much that we can study, and we don't do it just for the mere fact of being studious or uh, for the ma- matter of just wanting to uh, retain a bunch of knowledge about uh, about a building that was constructed Back thousands of years ago that 's not why we 're studying this, but rather it 's because there are types and shadows that in in scripture there is a a reason that we we would study these things of the Old Testament that physically took place, and we see spiritual application to them, uh, even in the New Testament. Some of that is parallel and and we see the type or that that thing that was uh, that was done in the Old Testament. And we see the parallel of that with the what it symbolized and how we can apply it to our life today. And we have even applied uh, this tabernacle plan in a pattern of prayer, in a pattern of approach to God. And it's something that I've used as a guide in my prayer of just working my way through the tabernacle. And you see these different uh, pieces of the tabernacle. And so we've been studying them. We've made our way, uh, here tonight to the altar of incense. And so if we have, do we have a couple pictures there that we could, uh, throw up here on the screen? We have here that tabernacle, uh, this, um, on the, on your right hand side where it says the holy place, you see the entrance is, is way over there. So that's the tent that, uh, that we are talking about this 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 place, this sanctuary where God would dwell. And they the priests were able to come into that place and they would enter in uh, through there and daily they would come into what we have labeled there as the holy place. This is the place where they would do their, uh, their priestly duties. And you would see the table of showbread that they would come to, this place where they had bread that was laid there fresh every day in an orderly fashion. We talked about the the word of God and how that's the bread of life, and and in my prayer I come to that, and I I pray um, for those who are uh, delivering the word of God, whether it's uh, past pastors and, uh, and and ministers of the gospel, missionaries, uh, Sunday school teachers, home Bible study teachers, whoever it is, I, I pray for them when I come to that place of the showbread. The lampstand was uh, was talked about two weeks ago. I wasn't here, but. Uh, I, I listen. My father did a great job of of speaking on that golden lampstand and how that is the only light that's inside of the tabernacle and that's illuminating so many other things. And we're called to be the light of the world, right? I'm called to be the light of the world, and I want I want uh, to pray in in my prayer time. God, help me to let my light shine. Help me to be a light to others. Let me be uh somebody that's not pointing uh those those individuals to me, but rather to you. And I and illuminating your word and illuminating you through through the way that I live my life. And so uh we we pray those kind of prayers. We pray that's that's the place that held the oil. That oil is symbolic of the spirit, and and I want to be full of the oil. Don't let that oil run out. And so we uh we come to that lamp standing there. But tonight. We're going to come right to this thing that's in the center. It's the altar of incense. That altar of incense, that's the, uh, the third and the final um, uh, table or, or piece of furniture that is there in that holy place. Because there's actually two rooms uh, inside this tent. And so this is that first section. This completes that. It's right there in the center. God told him, I want you to place this right in the center before the veil. Before you would enter into the holy, the most holy place of the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant is at. So let's, um, let's get into our text tonight in Exodus chapter 30. And I see in our notes, I I carried over from the previous lesson where it says the lampstand. That should not say that. That should say the altar of incense or the golden altar. Um, this text, I believe, is correct. In Exodus chapter 30, beginning in verse 1. It says, Thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Make it of shittim wood. Uh, of shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof. A cubit, the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be. And two cubits shall be the height thereof. Horns thereof shall be of the same. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. The top thereof, the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. Skip down to verse 6. Thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony. Before the mercy seat that is over that testimony where I will meet thee. It's that place that's where God says my presence will abide there. It's in that most holy place over that mercy seat Uh, Over the Ark of the Covenant, that's where my presence will dwell. That's where I will meet you. Uh, Continuing on, verse 7. And Aaron, so Aaron was the brother of Moses. He was the high priest. It says, Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth those lamps at the evening time, he shall burn incense upon it. A perpetual incense... Before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall offer no strange incense thereon. Nor any burnt sacrifice. There's no meat offering. You shouldn't pour any drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon thy horns of it. Once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it. Throughout your generations. It is most holy. Unto the Lord. Just a few more verses here in the same chapter. Let's go to verse 34. The Lord said to Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, stacked in Onica and Galbanum. These sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall be like a weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. So he says, don't you do this just for yourself. This is holy unto the Lord. Whosoever shall make it, make like unto that to smell thereto, shall even be cut off from his people. So he says, this certain blend of, of frankincense, or frankincense and stack and onika, galbanum, this, this certain blend, he says, you're not allowed to make that in your homes. You can have this for yourself. This is to be used only in the worship of me inside the tabernacle. It's only to be used there on this altar of incense. And so when we think of altars... We've we've already talked about one altar in this study. It was the very first thing that we came to in the tabernacle. That altar, uh, that that brazen altar that was outside the, the tent itself. That was the place where they would come and they would uh, offer up a, a, an animal or a uh, you know bull or a goat, whatever the the need was for for their offering. They would take it to that to the priest and he would offer it up on that altar. It was. A place of dying, a place of death, and now we call this uh, this uh, next thing that we come to. And this is inside the tent, an altar as well, but it's different. This is not to have uh, some animal that would die on it. It's not going to have a fire that is being stoked underneath it with the um, t- to burn some kind of a, an animal offering on there. But rather, this is. Uh, an offer, or an altar that is about 18 inches square. It's about, stands about three feet high. So it's not, it's not very large in in comparison, especially to the brazen altar, which was the largest of any of these, these things. But this was made of wood. It was made, um, of wood and then overlaid with pure gold. You had horns of it. We have the picture here. Uh, you have the horns of it with those, uh, things on each, uh, each corner, what they would refer to them as um, and uh, this altar it had on it the the purpose of it was that they would put this incense in it, and they would light that incense on fire and it would become this very sweet smelling savor that was inside of uh, inside of that room inside of the tent and you can You can imagine that without something like this, that place had to have smelled pretty awful. Right? Just outside the door, they're killing hundreds of animals all all the time. These animals, it's a slaughterhouse right there. And so inside the tabernacle, God's saying, I don't want people to be repelled by the stench of of what's happening out there. I want people to recognize this as a holy place, as a place that they would want to come to. And so, no, it's not, I don't believe that's it. just that reason that we have the, the incense that's burning, but uh, that certainly has to play a factor in this. The fact that it, we want a place that is pleasant to be in. We want to come into a house that is, that is pleasant to come to. And, and so that's, uh, that's what they would uh, as they would keep this burning. God said, I want this to be burning all the time, all day long. Let this incense be burning. Don't, don't let it go out. In fact, put some on it in the morning. Bring some more incense to it in the evening time. Let that, uh, sweet smelling savior always be going. And, and so, He said, I don't want this just to be any, any, uh, kind of, uh, fragrance. I don't want this just to be any kind of a, um, a thing that you would put on that altar and, and light it. But I want a particular mixture of spices. And he lists them. And, and I began looking into these, these different kinds of, uh, of, uh, things that God told them to, to put in there. And the first one he said was this stacked. That stacked is, as you begin to look at that, it's a, this fragrant powder that's created from the, the gum resin that would come from a myrrh bush. You have myrrh. In fact, I was just talking to Karen before service about myrrh, and she was telling me about how uh, myrrh is this really sticky substance. And uh, it's true, but what they would do is they would take that sticky substance and let it harden, and once it hardened, then they would crush it up, and that would become this stacked, this, this powder. And it was uh, a really sweet-smelling Good smell, uh, good smelling, uh, very fragrant powder. Uh, the, the next one was this onyca. Now this came from this group of mollusks that came from the Red Sea. If you know anything about the Red Sea, this is what they had been, uh, had gone through, walked through on dry ground when they came out of Egypt. Um, and so they had taken this, um, these, these things. And they were able to, uh, to take this material that came from them and to mix it and what it was used for. This was a common, thing that was used in perfumes. They may have even had some of this just from their their time in Egypt, uh, coming out of Egypt, uh, even being sent out of Egypt with all the goods of the Egyptians, as they said, get out of here. Uh, They may have had some of this in their possession just because it was so commonly used as a binding material in these incense mixtures or in perfume mixtures. And so they have this that, that they would come and it was, it itself was also fragrant. The next thing is this galbanum and, and I know some of this may seem like, why are we going into all this? But I promise there's going to be some significance to it. This galbanum is a, an aromatic gum resin. It came from fennel roots and it was considered valuable for its ability to preserve the scent of mixed fragrances. It was this really powerful, spicy, woody kind of aroma, but it was quite foul. It really didn't have a great smell to it. Um, and so you might say, well, why would God want that to be included? And and uh, I've seen, as I was doing some study, there was some really uh, interesting commentary on why God would have them put something like galbanum in with this mixture. The last thing here is frankincense. This frankincense was this fragrant white resin. You've probably heard of frankincense. It's one of the things. In fact, frankincense, myrrh, both of those were items that were brought to Jesus when Jesus was first, uh, when he was born. But this uh, frankincense, one thing that it does is it gives off white smoke when it burns. It actually produces a smoke. And so uh, you had an actual white smoke that would come up and it would fill that place where they were at. And so this incense... It was to be burned every morning and, and every evening. He said, this mixture, it's holy. I don't want you uh, to ju- just use this at your house wherever you're at. This is only to be used in your worship of me here in, in the temple. Uh, and And if anyone made this mixture for your own use, he says, you're going to be cut off from Israel. If we find you selling this in the marketplace, you're kicked out. You're not allowed to live here. If you if you are using this in your home just for daily use, that you're not allowed to do that. You're going to be cut off. He says we want this to be a holy thing. We want uh, this to be just used in the worship of God. And then, uh, lastly, we see we're just kind of looking at this altar of incense from a practical perspective. We see the the fire that was there, and the fire that would be used to light the incense came from the coals on the out on the altar that's outside the tent. They would take some coals from that burnt offering of that brazen altar, and they would bring those coals, and they would uh, put that inside in the tent on top of this altar of incense. And they would use that to light that incense, to light that... Um, uh, that to put off that fragrance inside of that room, and what, a, what an incredible uh, thing that 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 shows us that the first thing, as we talked about that altar on the outside, that is representative of the sacrifice that we that we offer. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We put ourselves on an altar of repentance every day. I come to a place of repentance every day. Or a place of at least dying to my flesh every day. Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. He says, take up your cross. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It's a, it's a daily walk that we come to a place of, cru- of, of, of laying ourselves on that altar and coming to God and saying, God, help me to crucify my flesh today. God, help me to not live my life according to my fleshly desires, but rather I want to follow your spirit. I want to allow the spirit to lead me. And so you come to that first, but from that comes, uh, from that place of of sacrifice comes this sweet smelling savor. From that fire, that place of sacrifice comes something that would go before God as being fragrant to uh, to God and filling this room, and it's a it's a form of worship to God. And so I want to I want to get into if you flip your paper over to the back backside, I want to I want to look at all of that that we kind of covered and see what does all of this mean. The first thing that we may look at is the positioning of this altar. Uh, do you have that uh, that picture that is the the cutout of the tabernacle? Yeah, there we go. Uh So here is just another depiction of what this looked like. Beautiful uh, building as you come in. This tent. But you come in and you see right there in the center, uh, it's that the curtain actually would go uh, all the way, but they just have it cut out as an illustration here. And that uh, altar of incense sits there right before that curtain. And there is an entrance. That curtain is a doorway. Now, they're only allowed to go in to that second room, one time a year. That's the place where God's presence dwelt. You see the, the Ark of the Covenant that's in there, the, to, to the far left. And that's where God's presence dwelt. And He said, I want that to be the, the most holy place. We're not gonna make this just a daily occasion that you're coming in. I don't want you just to, to get used to, um, you know, just to, just to every day make it normal. Coming into my presence. Let this be a holy thing. It's only one time a year, only one day a year, was one person allowed to go into the most holy place, the place where God's presence dwelt. That was the high priest who was on that day of atonement, a day where a sacrifice, a special sacrifice, would be, uh, would be laid upon the altar and, and they would offer that for the sins of all the people. And, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit, this day of atonement. But, but that was that was the place that they would enter only one time a year. And you see, right before you would get to that, you'd come to this altar. Right before you would get to that, uh, that, that place where they would enter into the most holy place, you'd come to the altar of incense. In fact, I, I don't have the scripture on here. I don't have it back there for our, our media. But in Hebrews chapter 9... Verses 3 and 4. If you read that, it's interesting because it seems as though they have the altar. The writer of Hebrews 9, 3 and 4 has the altar placed inside the Holy of Holies. In fact, I'm just going to go there. Hebrews 9. Three and four it says after after the second veil the tabernacle which is called in, in called the holiest of all which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold so he says it was in there uh, it's it's interesting that they would uh, that this the writer of Hebrews uh, seems to say that it was inside of there and every everywhere else it's everywhere else in scripture everywhere else another. Uh, writings, Josephus, you know, these other extra-biblical writings of people who saw the temple, um, they they all say, no, the, this altar was outside. It was in the holy place. But why would the writer put this in the holiest of holies? And And it, it seems to be that the reason is because the effect of what this did was actually preparing you for what would take place in the holy of holies. That the incense that went up, it was uh it was burning and it would go into the holy of holies that it would flow into there and it was uh it was ministering in both capacities and it was the only thing really that stretched from one room into the next as you would burn this this uh, this incense there on that altar it would it would mix into the holiest place it would mix into the place where god dwelt and and you have that um, that uh, thing, even throughout Scripture, even in the place where we read in Exodus, uh, it, it, it lumps it in not with the other articles of furniture, but rather it lumps it in with all the places in the holiest of holies. It, it lumps it in with all of that, and and because it's very much connected to everything that's going to take place there, it's very connected to everything in the holy of holies. That the position of this place of of this article of furniture was uh was one of of high significance that it comes just before you get into the presence of God it's it's sitting there right before you would be able to come into that place where God's glory was at and so and so what is uh, so what does it mean why you know why why is it placed there why does it have such significance that incense We see throughout Scripture is this representation of the prayers and the worship of God's people. In Psalm 141, verse 2, it says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, the lifting up of my hands as that evening sacrifice. God, I want my prayers to come to you as that incense that's rising up. God, just as that incense that's burning in the temple, God, I want my prayers to be like that for you. In Revelation 5, 8, we see here it says, that when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders, they fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. The smell, these odors that are coming up before God. These are the prayers of the saints. You you have this incense that's coming before God, and it's, it's our prayers. When you pray, God is saying, this smells good. I, I, I can smell everything that you are saying right now. Everything that you would pray, God is, God is taking all of that in. In Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, Another angel came, and he stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar. That's what we're talking about here. Remember I said that we have the altar? This is talking about an altar up, up in heaven tabernacle up in heaven. But he says that he should offer it on the golden altar, which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. We've got one more scripture here in John chapter four. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, worship is is to kiss the hand to to fall on your knees to touch the ground with your forehead this expression of profound reverence this it, they that worship him it's it's this connection in fact in fact there's uh, other scriptures I, I probably should have put on here that connect it maybe more closely with worship this this uh incense that goes before God that that God he sees the praises of his people he inhabits the praises of his people and we see This incense that is representative of the worship and the prayers of God's people. And you see that this mixture itself, this mixture of incense, is symbolized this intrinsic connection that exists between God and man. You have a certain mixture. Now, there had to have been something special about it, or else God wouldn't have Uh, forbidden this in people's homes there had to have been something special about these four things that he says are going to go into this uh this uh incense that's going to be burned in my on this altar and this essential connection does not merely allow the inclusion of those who have gone astray for for sinners but it demands it I'm, i'm taking this in fact from a, a Jewish text. It says, if the one foul smelling spice was absent, then the entire mixture was invalid. You have, even in the, the, in the, the mixture of the frankincense and the galbanum and the, the myrrh and, and these, these other spices, when, when you have them mixed, that itself is the representation of the fact that God is coming to dwell with man. That God wants to come and and be right there with you. It's It's a mixture of God and man. And that's what happens in prayer. Right? Our prayers should be an interaction between us and God. When you pray, it should be a conversation between you and God. God is... He comes to hear the prayers of His people. As I said, God, He inhabits the praises of His people. So when we begin to praise God... He comes and he mixes right in with you. This is, this is what is taking place in this place uh, or at this, uh, as this incense is burning. It's this symbolism of God and man mixing together, coming together. And it's an essential connection. It cannot be broken that God, he is right there with you. Now, I thought it was also interesting as I began to look at the difference between the brazen Altar that's outside the altar where they would offer the the sacrifices. That altar and this golden altar, this altar of incense. That word sacrifices, the sacrifices that they would bring. It comes from this Hebrew word, which is korbanot, which is related. Uh, the Jews they would relate it very closely to this other word, k- karev, meaning close. And that word close, or this this is. Um, Showing them it's this process of bringing sacrifices to this brazen altar. It brings you closer to God. When you would bring a sacrifice and you would lay it on that altar, it brings you close to God. Anybody in here want to be close to God? All right? I want to be close to God. There's one thing about being close to God. And one thing about being cl- that, that that we're close. Even as close as you get, you're still not quite there. There's still a little bit of separation. No matter how close you are, there's still some separation. There's still some distance that's in between. Now, if you look at the word incense, that word incense in the Hebrew, it suggests connecting. That, that word, it comes from this it's qatar, uh, this Aramaic, um, it's, it's an Aramaic word that was brought into the Hebrew, and it means a knot or a connection. And here, we're not speaking of two separate entities that have become close, but rather two entities that have become one, that have come together and become one. And so, offering the incense on this altar was this process by which God and man are not just close to one another, but they become one. Offering sacrifices brings you close to God. But when you begin to worship God, you come right in connection with God. When you come to God in, in repentance, you get close to God. But when you come and you begin to worship God, as we were just worshiping God here a, a few minutes ago, as you lift up your hands and you begin to sing praises to God, there is a connection that happens right there. As you begin to pray a prayer of faith, there's a connection, a joining together, a oneness that happens between you and God. It's not just a closeness with separation, but God comes right there with you and he inhabits he comes right there uh, in your place of praise in your pra- place of worship and so what a uh what an incredible uh depiction of of what takes place there in our praise in our worship uh that, that we see through the symbolism of that altar so we see this day of atonement. That day of atonement, Yom Kippur is the the Hebrew name for it. They still celebrate this as a Jewish feast, uh, Yom Kippur. And that was that day, that one time a year, where the high priest would be able to go in and enter into that Holy of Holies. And it was on that day when he would offer that offering on the, um, the offering of atonement for the sins of the people out on the brazen altar. But it was he was to take the blood from that sacrifice, and it says, "I want you to take that." And to put it, put it upon the four horns of this altar. And in doing so, in fact, if we can just go there, Leviticus 16, verses 18 and 19. It says, he shall go into the altar that's before the Lord, make an atonement for it. And he shall take the blood of the bullock, the blood of the goat, and put it upon the horns of the altar. And he shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his fingers seven times. And he shall cleanse it, and he shall hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. He shall take that; shall put it on each of the the horns of the altar, and then he shall sprinkle it there on the altar another seven times. That number eight. That that, that the uh, Jews they they look at that as a total of eight times of sprinkling that altar, and that number eight is signifies a new beginning, this new birth. And here, here we are. In fact, even even the Jewish babies they were to be circumcised on the eighth day, in the same. Uh, as we look in the New Testament of a, of a new type of circumcision, which is that of the heart. And when we, when we are uh, re- uh, circumcised in the heart, it's the cutting away of the flesh, cutting away of, of our, the old way that we used to live. And that's, and that's what happens in that place of prayer, in that place of worship, As we come to a place where we say, God, I don't want to live my old way. I don't want to live according to my old desires. But God, I want to pursue you and you alone. And let's, let's go there, in fact, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. It says, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision that's made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, that you would be buried with Him in baptism. That's what we're, just, we're getting ready to do in just a couple of minutes, that you would be buried with Him in baptism. And when that takes place, it's not merely a confession of your faith, But there is something that takes place. It's a washing away of your sins. you're buried with him in baptism, and you would be risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. Here's what happens. He says, you are buried with him in baptism, and then you have the... Forgiving of your sins and all of your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against you. All these things that that you've done wrong in your past, he says, I'm gonna take them away. I'm gonna blot out all of those that big record of your life, of everything that you've done wrong. I'm gonna wipe it all out. All these things that that the the enemy of your soul is gonna try to present to God at, at judgment day and say, Look what David's done. Look at all these things that he's done wrong. I have a whole list of things that that he's done wrong. And when God looks at, it, He says, "I don't see a thing because it's all been blotted out. All those transgressions, all of those things that you come to bring up against Him as as for a reason why He should not gain entrance into heaven. I don't see it because it's been washed away in baptism. That's the circumcision of Christ. This." This blotting away this this taking away of your sins that happens at that moment, and he says, and having spoiled or, or rather take take it back, he took it out of the way, he nailed it to his cross it 's not because of what we do it's not it's not because there's something special with the water up here it's because Jesus Christ died on the cross that's the only reason that i'm saved. the only reason i 'm saved today is because of his grace, and so it's not. It's not by a work that I do and I can't, I can't gain entrance by any works of my own salvation, but in obedience to his word, I want to be baptized and buried and come out a new man that's fresh and clean and able to, to live a life that's, that is no longer bound by my old sins. And through that, through his death on the cross, he spoiled the principalities, powers. He made a show of them openly. He mocked them. He's like, you thought that you won. When you had me hanging on that cross, you thought that you'd done it. But I triumphed over you. I came up out of that grave. I conquered death, hell, and the grave. I conquered sin. I came. I paid the price. We look at that day of atonement and what they did on that day. They had one sacrifice that they would offer for all the sins of mankind's on that day, and they, but they would have to do it yearly. And Jesus Christ became that sacrifice. He became our atonement for sin when he died on the cross. And now we, be, we become one with him. We take on his blood through baptism. And so that's what we're getting ready to do here in just a moment. I'll finish this out just very quickly uh, uh, on what I do when I come to this altar of incense, my prayer time. And I, I just come to this place and I begin to worship God in spirit and in truth. Begin to just to just to just take some time and worship God. In my prayer time, God, you're good. God, I just want to worship you. In this time, I, I begin I can intercede for the needs of others. This is the prayers of God's people, the incense that's going up, the prayers that are for other people, the, the prayers that even for my own self, I have needs that I need to bring before God, and and I might pray for those things. But it's a it's a place of ministry, and so I begin to pray. For the needs of others, it's in this place that I just get lost in the spirit. I just, I just love God just to lead me in whatever direction He wants me to, whatever direction He wants me to go. I go down that. In fact, you can, you can come this time. Any uh, our musicians and singers that we have for tonight. And it's in this place that I, I ask God, Lord, prepare my heart because I want to go even deeper. I want this, this time of worship. God, to bring me to a place of deeper communion with you. I'm getting ready to come into that place where I'm in his presence. I'm getting ready to come into that place and step into that that holy of holies where God is at. They only got to do that once a year, but we, we get to do that whenever. He says, come boldly. Come boldly. When he died on that cross, that veil was torn. It was rent. And we have access into that very presence of God that they only had access to once a year. But it's worship. It's worship that brings us and gives us access to come into the presence of God. That's what opens up that door. In your prayer time, if, you, if you're if you seeking something deeper, if you're seeking a, a deeper place in your prayer, I, I encourage you just to begin to worship God. Get outside of your element of what you're normally used to and just begin to worship God. And, when, and as you do so, when I say worship, I'm just saying like, God, you're good. I thank you for everything that you've done. Sing a song. Read the the book of Psalms. I I love just reading the book of Psalms and and allowing that to be my worship. Putting myself in the place of David or whoever wrote the psalm and, and, and putting myself in that place and just give praise to God. That's what worship is all about. And as you begin to worship God, you'll come into this place where you feel His presence become overwhelming. It's an overwhelming presence. And all around this place, if we can just stand... As we prepare for this baptism here.